if I sit or walk with presence and just let the experience happen to me, that there is nothing inherently wasteful in doing that, and that I don't need to start naming outcomes in order for it to be a worthwhile thing to do. Welcome to the Our Nature podcast with me, Alyssa Benjamin. Our Nature explores the methods, systems, and practices that bring us into greater alignment with the natural world. The opportunity to live a more joyful and harmonious existence is available to each of us right in this very moment. So join me and let's rediscover what comes naturally. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special episode of the Our Nature podcast. My name is Alyssa Benjamin, and I'm a Back to Nature guide, intuitive coach, and the host of this here podcast. I'm calling this episode special because it's different from the episodes I've done in the past. It's more of a conversation, more of a back and forth between me and my guest, Peter, and I definitely share more about my own journey than I normally do. Because this episode is so full, I'm going to keep this intro short, but I do want to share a few quick things before we dive in. The first is that I will not be hosting a hike this month for Our Nature Hikes, which is my LA-based hiking club, because I'm going to be out of town during our regularly scheduled hiking weekend. But don't worry, Our Nature Hikes will be back in full force in April. The next update is that I have three spots left for homecoming, which is a four-day retreat in Ojai, California from May 4th through May 9th, followed by a six-week course. I'm still offering early bird pricing until Sunday, March 13th, so if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, you have still a few days to fill out an application and you'll qualify for that early bird discount. I'll talk more about the course in this episode, but if you're curious about learning more, you can fill out a short two-question application by heading to ournaturepodcast.com forward slash homecoming. This application will take you less than five minutes. And if I think you're a good fit, I'll reach out so we can hop on a call. I'll also include a link to the application directly in the show notes of this episode. Those are all the updates from me this week, and let's get into this week's episode. If you've ever wondered what happens to your life when you cultivate a deep and intentional connection with the natural world, this episode is for you. Today I'm in conversation with teacher, philosopher, and former homecoming participant Peter August. Peter also has a nature TikTok, which I'll link to in the show notes, where he shares his practices, perspectives, and experiences of being in nature with his over 72,000 followers. In this episode, we talk about what nature invites in us that we so desperately need, the nature-based practice that fuels creativity, why we resist the natural world and why that's okay how to build trust with nature and what that can bring us. The difference between physically being in nature and truly being in nature. What happens when we follow our intuition when faced with big decisions. 
what homecoming was like for Peter, how we can approach life with a beginner's mindset, and what that perspective can bring us, the practice of getting curious about what's familiar and why that's so profound, and what life has been like for Peter after homecoming. We also do something really fun at the end of this episode that I've never done before with a guest, so you'll have to make it to the end to hear what I mean. I love this conversation because you'll really get a glimpse into what's possible when you turn toward the natural world and come home to yourself. Okay, I said I would keep this intro short, and I want to honor that. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with philosopher, teacher, and nature TikToker, Peter August. Peter, welcome to Our Nature. I'm super excited to be speaking with you today for a number of reasons. Um, You're someone that I've wanted to talk to for a while, and what feels exciting about this conversation is it's going to be less interview style and it's more going to be topic style. (laughs) I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but we're going to have a conversation about so many things, about the journey of reconnecting with nature, about the spiritual path, about what happens inside of us um, when we step towards our own discomfort, homecoming, because um, you were one of the OG homecoming (laughs) participants. So we're really going to span so many different areas, but I wanted to start um, hearing more about your journey, and and I guess I'll share a little bit about mine, but um, that moment when you really started to feel the pull towards reconnecting with nature and what that was like for you. I mean, I I guess I'll, I'll start with what happened to me, and then I'd love to hear if you're I guess it, it's not maybe a moment, but it's a gradual shift. That's right. I'd love That's to hear right. about what that gradual shift was like for you. But for me, I was living in Manhattan and I started to, it's almost like it was, it was beneath my consciousness. That's almost what it felt like. I didn't know, it wasn't a conscious sort of like, hey, I need to go to nature. It was more that I started to feel this, again, it was almost like in a dream when you wake up and you're like, is that happening or what's going on? It almost felt like there was um, this dream-like quality or voice that was sort of saying, I think you need to be more connected to upstate or be more connected to the country or get out of the city more and start hiking. And so for a while I thought, well, maybe I'll join a hiking club or maybe I'll take weekend trips somehow. But again, it wasn't a super conscious step. It was more like this dream, like that's the best way I can describe it, 
voice that was sort of saying, I think you should turn your attention towards this space. I love that idea. The idea that it's a voice, right? Yeah. Like, like, um, it's not this draw from you to something that's other, but it's almost like it's a conversation between you and nature that you're sort of tuning into if I'm hearing that right. Yeah. It was like different. It was the me that wasn't the, maybe the ego me or something. (laughs) It was the, (laughs) the other me that was, yeah, feeling that connection and, Again, you know, we all know how that unfolded. Well, if you're if you're new, how that unfolded was now I have a podcast and a company about reconnecting with nature. So fast forward, <laughs> that's how that unfolded. But that wasn't always, you know, it didn't start there. I just felt like I think maybe I need to just be outside more. It was pre- it was pretty simple. And I didn't really know what was there for me when I did go outside. I think I just felt, again, that that little voice saying, maybe you should start to go outside more. <laughs> so that was what it was like for me. And it was very gradual. And eventually that became, um, I, I had a company about uh, upstate New York. So it was like a curated guide to upstate New York. It's called And North. It's still around. If you're in the New York vicinity, you might know it. Hmm. But I, that became an avenue for me to be able to have an excuse to get out of the city. So that was amazing. And it kind of dropped into my lap. Um, and I believe the universe sent that to me. And so that became a vehicle for me to start leaving with purpose. Yeah. And then from there, again, it just unfolded and unfolded and unfolded. And fast forward, we're here today. So, <laughs> um, yeah, there's many points along that journey, but... That's not, uh, we don't need to get into all of those, but I'd love, tell me what was your, what was your path like? Um, Because, oh, by the way, I do need to say, Peter and I know each other from way back. I have to mention that. I have to mention that because that's special. Peter and I know each other from college. We were in a philosophy class together. Peter was a philosophy major. I was not. And I had no idea what was happening the entire semester. And a few days, I think it was a week before the final. It wasn't that long before the final. No, I think it was like this time of year, maybe like a few weeks ago, this time of year kind of thing. Yeah. It was yeah. Like weather was getting cold. But I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I was honestly like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I learned the entire semester and I'm going to fail this final. And Peter sat down with me and basically it was like philosophy for dummies. I feel like you, I I mean, maybe I should give myself a little more credit, but don't undersell yourself here. Okay. But you basically explained everything in the semester to me in a few hours. And I think I got an a minus in the class. I think, I, yeah, it was wild. I actually was probably going to fail that if you didn't do that for me. So <laughs> um, much gratitude to Peter, who is who at that time was already sort of a teacher and a guide. And I feel like, you know, you were kind of living your calling already. Um, but again, I, I did feel like I needed to mention that. So now yeah. I want to get into, yeah, tell me about what this journey back to nature where it started for you because we lost touch after college and then you know have reconnected recently but I I didn't I wasn't with you during that process 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, uh, I love the image of a voice that you were talking about earlier. Um, and I'm glad that you brought up when we, uh, you know, when we met each other and, and when we knew each other, because that was probably at a point in my life where I was, it's hard to say, disconnecting and reconnecting or disconnecting, but seeing reminders of nature everywhere. Um, it started for me, like I think it starts for all of us in childhood. Um, my mother was very good about taking us on hikes uh, weekly, especially through my teenage years. It was something that we always did on a weekend. Was There was always somewhere that we went on a hike. Often it was the same place, but just as often it wasn't. She would find little places, uh, you know, I remember, the, I think it was called Fawnstock Park. It was like a state park in the Hudson region, if anybody lives there. Um, we'd go hiking around Fawnstock. We'd go hiking around uh, Bear Mountain. And so that was such a such a cool part of my teenagehood that I don't think a lot of my friends were having the same sort of experience of, of disappearing every Sunday um, mid-afternoon into the woods. So my my childhood was so cradled in nature. Between that, I, you know, I grew up on the Hudson River, uh, could see the river, could see the mountains sort of from my attic bedroom window. So to go from that to the city of Boston was jarring. Um, and I think that's really how it started for me was the disconnect, which is, mm-hmm. um, that's how it you know always what I mean? starts. Yeah. <laughs> right. It starts, it starts when you, you get that thing, something is taken away from you and you don't realize that you had something until it's taken away. And then you don't even realize that something was taken away. I didn't until years later. Like I could sense that there was a shift and that something was different. Um, but I couldn't, you know, at 18 or 19 years old, I couldn't point to something and say, oh, I'm missing the mountains and the trees and the river. Right. Um, <laughs> it's, right? not it was, it's not no, conscious. No, at all. But it does come out in your, um, I don't know, your day-to-day actions. So the reason I like the the idea of a voice or, you know, a quiet voice or a dreamlike voice is that in retrospect, I realize that nature was sort of speaking to me, even in Boston, in little snippets. I would, instead of, after class, uh, you know, instead of going back to my dorm room or instead of, you know, going hanging out with friends, I, I would go and like sit by the Charles River. And it just felt good. Even if at the time I couldn't point to the idea that it's because it's this wild thing in the middle of something that feels so planned out. I don't know if there's a better way to say that. Um, But along the Charles River in Boston, you've got the trees and you've got nice tended garden area, but there was something about watching the water that was like a reset button for me. And as I was living in Boston and, you know, the story of living in any city, at least for me, is you bounce from apartment to apartment until you find an apartment that works. And then, you know, you either stay there for a while or you leave. And as I bounced around from place to place living there, I got further and further away from the river where I would sit and feel the wind and watch the trees change and just watch the current as the river goes out towards the bay. And I think for me, it was in my mid-20s, once once I had left, because I moved out of Boston, that would have been late 20s. Uh, that I left Boston and I realized that there was something about being near the water that was really connecting for me. 
Um, even though I moved out of town, I moved to uh, an area that was more wooded, but not, you know, it's still, still a town. Um, but I had, you know, my wife and I had bought a house and we had property. We had some trees on that property. Even at that point, I don't think I understood how much I needed to start putting myself back into nature um, until I want to say it was like four years ago. I experienced a couple of sudden losses, uh, friends of mine, and all of a sudden the only thing I wanted was the comfort that I used to feel being in the woods as a kid. And I think that's really the arc for me is that I think of, I think of the woods and the river and the mountains growing up as something of a, almost like a, a, a womb that was around me for my childhood through the cynical teenage years and all of that. Like it was there from, you know, the dreamlike state of your real youth when you're imagining and all this other stuff right through the rebellious teenage phase. It was always the woods or it was always the river. Yeah. And I, and I never got cynical about those things. They just disappeared when I went to Boston. I mean, I, I love that you brought up childhood because that's usually where I like to start when I do interviews that, you know, I say like, what was your relationship like to nature as a child? And the reason why I say that is because when we are children, we, it's so much easier for us to live from our biology. And I say mm. it like that because I, what I mean is that we're not like conditioned out of our natural ways of being as as much as we are when we get all of the conditioning, um, <laughs> you know, in our adolescence and then into adulthood. And so I find that all, I mean, even if a child grows up in the city, they still want to look up and see a bird or pick up a stick or see something in a park. Um, I think we all have that innate desire to connect with nature. But when you're a, a kid, it's not a conscious connection. Mm. Yeah. Like you were saying, it's not like you, you just were doing what felt natural to you. And, and that was similar for me. You know, we both grew up in New York in different places. I was a little bit farther North, but I grew up in the country and I remember, I mean, I used to run barefoot through the woods. I don't know how, <laughs> I really can't tell you how I did that, but I was, I was kind of a wild kid and it wasn't, again, a conscious exploration. It was just, this is what I'm going to do because I want to, and I love being outside and playing and it felt exciting and there was so much to discover. And I, I also happened to have a friend who had about, it was like, at least 10 acres. It oh, must man. have been it must have been more. Yeah, but she had a lot of land and there was she had a, a pond on her property, she had a creek, she had cornfields, she had woods. And so it was just this like magical fairy land of nature and discovery and we we had a fort. And we used to dig in, I remember there was this hill that we called Treasure Hill. Mm. And I'm sure this was like, probably not the safest. I don't know. But basically, <laughs> it was a hill. It was an area in the woods that used to be an old dump. 
for oh. for in like the 18 and 1900s. Whoa. So we would dig up old like bottles, glass and and all sorts of stuff and collect it in our fort and we would call it Treasure Hill because it would we would find treasures in this <laughs> old, you know, dump area. Um but yeah, it just I think we remember I call it a great remembering because so much of this journey is that. And we remember Mm. what felt nourishing to us when we were younger. And then I think the process is like figuring out how to get back to that feeling. Um, You you have to go through a lot of stuff to get there though. (laughs) Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to get to the point where you start looking back and, and put all like, right. Cause all the things you're saying are, you know, we're, we're as adults looking back and trying to, put words and meaning to what just sort of flowed and came mm-hmm. naturally to us as kids. Right. Uh, I love the fort idea because I, I, you just unlocked a memory for me that I had a stand of trees in my backyard growing up and we did not have a ton of land. We were in a, like a small compact urban area surrounded by woods. So we had land, you know, but whatever a yard, there was a dogwood tree in the middle of the yard, which was my favorite tree. I would climb it. It was uh, it was beautiful. I want to say pink for the few weeks that it bloomed. Um, and then in the very back of my yard, there was like a stand of trees and shrubs and growth that, you know, my, my father kept a, a, a nice yard. I don't know why he allowed this thing to sort of be there. Maybe it gave us privacy for the neighbors or whatever. But I would go in there with my friends and that was our fort. And we oh. made what we called the Rainforest Club. Not a rainforest, grew up in New York. (laughs) Uh, And we actually, because my friend was very engineering minded, and I think I was that way growing up too somehow. Don't know how that happened. Um, But we had like a book that we made of a bunch of schematics of like how we can, uh, I don't know, keep ourselves protected in this little like (laughs) stand of trees. So like designs for like a little catapult we can make with sticks or like how are we going to design a, a wall from found objects? But the idea of of a fort, uh, a carved out space, um, there's something to that, right? Like you, you're going and you're finding, you're going somewhere that we're told should feel exposed. But as a kid, you're like, no, I belong here. This is this is where I should be. I can make this feel safe and good. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Like you're establishing. Yeah, you're. St- I mean, it's like a fort is like a mini home for a kid in nature. <laughs> you're kind of like, this makes sense to me. I really love that. And I love like with each of these stories, I mean, with Treasure Hill and with your schematics, it's like there's so much imagination and play. And that's something I think that is, I mean, I've talked about this in Homecoming and, and I want to get to that um, at some point, but um, it's that element is so critical to any reconnection with nature, I believe. This is not a solemn journey. I mean, nature invites wonder and curiosity and play and all of the things that I feel like are essential to just well-being. Like, why should we as adults stop playing? I mean, mm. yes, like we we still need to have responsibilities and things like that, but I don't think it needs to be in direct opposition of times when we can just be silly and be goofy and and just connect with our child selves. I know for me, that's been a really important process in my overall healing 
is allowing that part of myself to to be nourished and welcomed back into my life um, and mm. not take everything so seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the uh, the 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 idea of imagination, because um, I know that was that was a big component uh, during homecoming, um, and it's a it's a but it's such a, an important point, you know. Before um, before jumping on today, because I'm I'm ever the f- organize your thoughts philosophy guy, um, I I ch- jotted down a couple of words for what nature has provided a sense of over time. And the first thing that I wrote down is imagination Hmm. that as, as a kid, you have that unashamed, unashamed relationship with your own, with your own inner world. And you can so seamlessly, you know, integrate it with the world around you, your outside world. And somewhere in there, you know, your imagination is, is, is the, it's like the process that's important. Like, yes, you know, thinking mm-hmm. through things is important too. And that's what you get in school. And I mean, you get some imagination stuff in school, but like really exercising your imagination is something that nature just provides. I just went for a walk this morning. I've, I have a couple of weeks off and I, my daughter goes to a daycare that's right down the block from a state park. And I'm now every morning I'm dropping her off and then I'm going to this state park. And this morning I'm sitting there in the sun, um, this owl flies by. Never seen an owl wild wow. before. Um, it was incredible. This, uh, I think it was a great horned owl after looking at like the markings. Um, I th- initially was going to take a picture of it, but then I didn't because I decided it would be better if I just remembered it and kept it there. Um, and while I'm sitting there, I'm like having all of these ideas and thoughts. And it's like the kind of thing that like we're in touch with it as kids, but it doesn't go away if we allow ourselves to sort of, you said the great remembering, right? If we can remember what it feels like as kids, it doesn't take much to sit in the Mm -hmm. sun and all of a sudden things start happening in your, in your imagination, in your mind, beautiful, wonderful things. I always say, if you want to, if you're, if you're feeling blocked in some way creatively, the best thing to do is take a walk or go outside. Hmm. Yeah. And I I have this book that was like I think it's called the ha- it's called something ha- daily habits maybe it's called. I don't know if you've you would love this. Mm. This book Never heard I'm going to I'm going to link it in the show notes for everyone. Yes. <laughs> but it's this book called Daily Habits and it's amazing and it it's just kind of fun. I mean, I don't know if I took away that much practically from it, but it's a I mean I'm not going to, it's a really, it's a good book, but basically what it is, is it outlines, it takes like really famous composers and writers and artists and it outlines their daily habits. And what's funny is a lot of the, a lot of them, like really creative individuals, first of all, were like alcoholics. They ate horribly and they like didn't live that long. You know, you see some of them and you're like, okay. But a common thread in a lot of them was that they would take these like really long walks in nature. Mm. And I just was really struck by that. And a lot of them also, you know, the ones that lived a long time would also have these habits that brought them into like the circadian rhythms of, you know, light and dark. And they had periods of 
um, empty space, you know, built Mm. into their day. So that which is essential for any kind of creativity. I know that very personally. um, And it's something I'm trying to cultivate more of, because if you don't have empty space where you don't have a task to do, nothing can come through. You're not leaving space for anything. So um, I think that's why being in nature also is really wonderful because if you're connected in and you're present with it, it's giving you that space where you're not in your mind with another task or to do so that things can kind of flow in when you're ready for them. So I love that you brought that up. I also, it just makes me feel so happy that you've been going to the park and (laughs) I have to, we, we do want to get to homecoming. We've mentioned this before. Um, it's for for those of you who don't know what it is, it's my course about reconnecting with nature. Um, and and we will get to that in a minute. But mm. <laughs> I do want to talk about one thing before we we talk about that, which is um, something that has come up for me, and i'm I'm guessing other people, and I, I'd be curious if it had come up for you or does come up for you, which is, in the process of like turning back towards nature, something I've found is there's a lot of resistance and it's not always conscious resistance. So not everyone might, will, will feel like, Oh, I'm, I'm feeling resistance right now, (laughs) but sometimes it can become more and more conscious as you continue the practice. And for me, um, what I noticed was, as I began to intentionally turn towards nature, I would feel a lot of resistance in that. So like Mm. every time I would go to take a a walk, I would feel such resistance to the walk where every time I'd be having a hard time and I knew going outside would make me feel better. I'd feel such resistance to going outside And that happened quite strongly at the beginning. And actually, it still happens. And it's something that I want to talk more about this season on the podcast and and just in general, because I want to normalize that. Um, Mm. And yeah, I mean, I'll just say like for me where I think the resistance comes from, but I, I would really love to hear if that's true for you. I think for me, it's a combination of things. One, the unfamiliarity of nature like like my experience as an adult with um, being in nature and again this is less so over time but at the Mm. beginning when I was like I want to be outside more (laughs) I I also was like well okay but it's so unfamiliar like what do I do I feel intimidated am I safe am I okay and that's I think I want want to normalize that because we haven't culturally and societally supported people to have a participatory relationship with the natural world in the way that we have are designed to. So anything that's unfamiliar will feel a bit unsafe and scary. So, and you'll feel resistance to that because it's new. So that's one thing. And then the other reason why I think for me, I continually feel the resistance (laughs) is because it's not a place I can hide as easily. Nature isn't a place I can hide as easily. So when I'm experiencing something difficult and I've been resisting it, or when I'm in a state of like a cycle of stress um, and like a cortisol sort of spike, 
I know that if I step outside, I will be sitting in presence with the emotions that I've really tried to resist and push down. And that the fear around what that might feel like is yeah. scary to me. But then I notice every time I do it, I'm like, oh, it's not so bad. <laughs> so I think I just want to mention that because I don't know if everyone feels that way, but I bet some people do. Yeah. What was how, yeah. what it's your experience of that? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I never thought of it in terms of resistance. But as soon as you start talking about the feelings of it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that feeling. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> like, uh, like, I've always been a wanderer at heart. Like, I, I you know, as a kid, I'd go walk in the woods. In college, Such I found reasons to go. Such a philosopher, Peter. Yeah, right? I know. It's like, I'm just going to walk around and stare at the sky and stuff. Uh, but it's the staring at the sky that's the hard part. That's that's where it is. Like, I, I, uh, I'll go for a walk um, as often as possible. The problem is when I'm on that walk, immediately my brain starts going to what am I doing with this? Like what what is going to be the outcome of this? Um, you know, I have to should I should I think about this and this and this? Do I take these problems with me and throw them at the woods so that it can woods an answer for me so that I can carry <laughs> yeah. it back? Right? Like there's all of this, or like, do I take photos to share on social media? How about videos? Uh, do I, um, you know, like, what am I doing? And there's this obsession that I'm starting to see in myself when I go out that, like, I have to somehow make it fruitful because there's no possible way it could be fruitful by design, you know, by its own mm -hmm. natural state. There's no way I could get anything <laughs> from this if I'm not bringing in intention and, and you know, I have to have things to manifest. Mm -hmm. But... <laughs> But but that's that to me is I think where where it gets really hard, um, which is you know, which is a problem because you can go and walk into the woods, but if you don't if you don't decide to leave your own expectations of accomplishment and doing at the door, it's very easy to walk from one end to the other and not really see or experience anything because you're just going in your mind about what am I supposed to do with this experience? It's a trust thing. I think like it's, it's, it's a trust issue that we all have that I think is both trust with the natural world and hence trust with ourselves. Right. Like, cause you know, as, as, as we really explored during homecoming, the idea that we are nature, right. We are, that, that is how who we are, you know, it's not like an us versus them kind of thing. And it's, there's, it's like a, it's a trust thing. So you walk out into the woods and what, what I feel like needs to be cultivated for me at least is the trust that I, if I sit or walk with presence and just let the experience happen to me, that there is nothing inherently wasteful in doing that. And that I don't need to start naming outcomes in order for it to be a worthwhile thing to do. I would argue it's the opposite. Mm. And it's funny because I think what you're talking about is like two sides of the same coin. Like for me, the resistance comes because I know that it will be harder for me to be in my head 
Mm. And, but <laughs> what you're also saying that it, what you're saying is also that you feel that too, but it can be so, there can be this resistance to that, like letting go of being in your head when you're outside. I mean, it's like, we're both yeah. kind of saying sort of the same thing. Um, but I think you're also naming something that's important, which is, we, and we talked about this during the course is like, you can physically be in nature and mm. not be in nature. And right. what I mean by that is like, you can do what Peter used to do. You don't do that anymore, <laughs> do you? <laughs> used to do, which is go outside, but be in your thoughts, in your head, not be present in your physical experience and environment and in your body and in your senses. And that's something I used to do as well. Um, that, and that's something that many of us do. And it's about unlearning. Because I don't think we need to learn how to connect. We just need to unlearn how we dis we're disconnected from it. Um, oh, I like that. Because I like that. because it's an it's natural um, for us to be in our senses and be in our physical environments. I mean that was that was important for our survival um, mm. for thousands of years. I think we've just been conditioned out of that because we're not facing like physical. Um, threats all the time and you know we don't I don't know we're just right. we're also not in as much of a dialogue with our surroundings like we were so yeah I think it's just really interesting the way that you talked about that because I, I do think it's an important point to mention about um, maybe people don't feel resistance and that may be because they're going outside and they're still kind of cycling their thoughts. Yeah. So to them, it's like, whatever, <laughs> I'm right. going outside. <laughs> I think right. though, when you begin to really develop that connection again, um, you know, that remembering you might then that's where the resistance might begin to come up. And that's where it started to come up for me because I knew what it was to actually be present and what that brought up for me. Yeah. The resistance, the resistance is definitely to, uh, give over to the experience. It, you're, mm -hmm. you're right. It is a resistance. <laughs> it is a resistance. It's not the idea that there's a resistance going out the door. I'll go out the door. Fine. But as soon as you tell me to like, let go of mm -hmm. the control I have over my interior narrative, mm -hmm. yeah, slow, slow down. Yeah. That's where it, and it can also be resistance to like I wrote about this in a blog post. You can find it on ournaturepodcast.com <laughs> in the journal. I think it's still up there. But I wrote about this idea that sometimes the resistance comes because nature is just so beautiful and like magnificent. And mm. there's something, you know, the awe and there's something that happens to our ego and, and, that dissolving when we really can be in that connection that can feel almost overwhelming. Um, and I've had those moments where I'm like, Oh my God, this is so incredible that I'm just like, can I take this in? Like mm. it, it's just, it's powerful. So there can be resistance to that. But um, so something, you know, I want to begin to talk a little bit about, homecoming because that is and was a part of your journey and a part of my journey mm -hmm. too. Um, 
And for those of you who don't know what Homecoming is, it's a course that I created about helping guide people back to nature, basically doing what we've been talking about. And um, for me, it was born from a very intuitive place. And it was born because I think, you know, I started with this podcast in 2019 and I was having all these really inspiring conversations with people. But at the end of the day, I didn't want what I offer to just be like an intellectual exercise, especially mm. when we're talking about connecting with nature. And right. so, so yes, it was amazing when people would tell me they would feel so inspired by the show, but really what I was hoping was that it, and I'm sure it also did this, but I really wanted them to say, and you know, now I go outside 10 times more than I used to. Yeah. <laughs> and I realized though, that like that, transition from understanding something intellectually and feeling this desire to connect with nature or that even that subconscious desire like I was sharing about or even what you were you were feeling that pull towards that comfort that you found in nature mm. the the transition from or the steps from that place to then cultivating like a really embodied connection to the natural world was not that, that easy because we don't have mechanisms in our society. I mean, I don't even know if mechanisms are the word, but we don't have ways that we really support that. Um, and it actually becomes kind of like a radical act because mm. it goes against everything around us that's telling us to like not reconnect, which yeah. again, isn't our fault and isn't society's fault. It's just kind of like how things have gone. Um, right. So, for me, I really went on that journey on my own and it took a long time. Like it took me years and years and I'm obviously still on that journey. I'll be on it for the rest of my life. So it's not like the journey ended, but <laughs> I did feel at a certain point that I I wanted to offer something that was, that was actually <laughs> taking people and you know, holding their hands and guiding them and building a community around what it was like to have that intentional reconnection and in the process reconnecting with yourself. Because yeah. like you said, you know, we are the earth, we are nature so that when we connect with the natural world, we're connecting with ourselves and our true nature. And I do believe if all of us were able to live from that place, I mean, maybe this is radical to say, but we'd have like peace on earth and like, <laughs> love each other. But I do believe that because yeah. that that place is not the ego. It's in direct opposition. That place is your intuition, some people call it, or your your um your inner nature or um so and and that type of place is one that cares about, you know, others, is selfless, is, mm. is driven by, um, you know, it's, it's all of the things that are capitalist patriarchal yeah. society yeah. is not. Yeah. So yeah. I just feel like that was my hope in, in creating this course was to like provide a place and an intentional framework for people to go on that that journey and that exploration. So yeah. the question for you is 
you know, as you mentioned, you had been on this path for some time on your own. And I know I asked you this, but I would like you to share with the listeners um, <laughs> what what was it that made you say yes to homecoming? Because I do want to say, like, yeah. Peter, you took a chance on me. I did. I really appreciate because this was the first time I offered this course. And, you know, for for those of you who are listening, um, <laughs> our nature, the podcast is a free offering. And um, the course is not free and it's a it's an investment. And so it, you know, it, it asks a lot from someone, um, both like the investment of their time, investment of money an investment to like really show up for themselves. Mm. So I would just love to hear what that experience was like for you and how you, how you ended up here. Yeah, I know. I know. I I asked myself that uh, (laughs) as soon, as soon as I made the investment, I was like, how did that happen? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which, which actually, which I guess points to like a, uh, points to an intuitive piece to it. You were talking about intuition earlier and, and the idea that, we we possess, and this was really reinforced so well in Homecoming. But like the idea that we, you know, we we possess something of a well of knowledge of our own good. It's not a question of whether we're able to understand what's right for us or anything. It's it's you know, it's really there's a lot of there's a lot of listening that I think we need to recapture, um, and that nature provides that space, right? You're talking about the resistance to it and, and it's the resistance to this, to the, the listening, which, which, which provides. So, you know, it's, uh, how did I end up doing that? It's funny because, um, right. I mean, you and I knew each other back in college for a time. And then, like you said, we, you know, we sort of lost touch. Um, I saw that you had your podcast and your thing going. So I kept following. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Even before I was even robustly on my back to nature path. I'm like, oh, that's, that's cool. Um, so it's actually probably a deeper part of my framework than I've, than I've even thought about that, you know, this connection to, to our nature and all this stuff. Um, but for me, I had been on this spiritual path for the last four or five years where I, you know, I'm, I, I sort of do a lot of nature-based pagan practices with my family, right? We're celebrating, uh, we're celebrating the solstice today. Um, you know, this is this is sort of what I've found is that the the imagination I had as a kid in the woods and and all of the stuff that I was drawn to fits into my life in a very um, spiritual way. But I, I had not, I was not feeling that connection. Like I, I had that body of knowledge and i had the intellectual comforts of um of of what i was learning um but the practices and i guess like family rituals and practices were still disconnected from actual nature um in ways that i don't think i saw then but i definitely see now on the back end of homecoming um so when i saw i remember seeing I think it was, I saw an ad on on Instagram where I saw your post that was like, we still have space for this. It was the first thing that I had seen. I hadn't, I'd been like on and off social media for a couple of months. So I actually never saw any initial announcements of it. I literally saw your last call. That's amazing. <laughs> and, right. And I looked at it and I'm like, something happened because I immediately 
my wife and I were in upstate New York visiting my in-laws. You know, they're still up there. And I remember looking at it and I turned to my wife, who's like across the room. I'm like, is this crazy? This is crazy, isn't it? <laughs> like, like this, this, this seems like exactly the kind of, you know, experience, the, the physical act of reconnecting that I've been, that I've really been craving. Um, but this is nuts, right? Because like I didn't see, you know, this is the first time I'm seeing it, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm sure there's an investment involved. I'm like, come on, right? Yeah. No, no, of course not. <laughs> um, because that's the way the mind works also, yes. right? Yes. The mind is in- initially like cannot be that simple, mm-hmm. you know, insert yourself between yourself and this so that we can figure out, you know, what kind of problem is happening. Uh, fortunately, that's not what happened. Um, I, you know, I, we talked about it briefly, my wife and I, and, you know, she supports pretty much everything I do and vice versa. So she said, no, I mean, if you're, if you're asking me if it's crazy, clearly there's, you know, there's you're, you're not asking for you. Yeah. Right. It's not like you're asking if everything you see is crazy. Um, so I did, I mean, you know, I, I jumped on the call with you and, and that just reinforced it to me that it was, there was a serendipity to it. There was an intuitive component to it. And there was, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to borrow your language from, from, from homecoming there. Um, and from the rest of your, your empire. Yes, thank <laughs> uh, you. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Let's acknowledge <laughs> this. Let's speak it. Uh, there was an, there was an ease to it. There was an easefulness to it. Like the way to, you know, the, the, the time that was happening, like the actual span of physical days that it was happening were a span of days that I had. I had the vacation time to do it. There was, you know, space to make the investment. And although that wasn't, you know, it's not like it was just like, you know, water off, off the back or, you know, it's, it, it was, it was an investment, but it was, uh, that was there. That was, re- you know, that was something that, that I could do. Um, and really it was just all of these pieces sort of, sort of fell into place. Um, but it, what it really was, was it just spoke to that part of me. It's spoke to the part of me that understood that we can talk about connection until like I, I'll say I can talk <laughs> about connection until my face turns blue, but without the experience, without the ability to understand how, how, what does that look like? Um, it, it doesn't go further than words and ideas and you know, words and ideas are great. We, you know, we need those. We, we absolutely need ideas in this world. <laughs> um, but we need to pair those ideas with the physical experience of being, of being present and everything about what you were offering, what homecoming offered was um, in line with that. Um, it was an, exp- an opportunity to experience nature for somebody who was open to experiencing it in many different ways um, without an agenda other than put you there and see what happens for you. Like that, I felt like that was the extent of, you know, I feel like there are a lot of, um, you know, it's sometimes when you're looking at a, a, a workshop or a seminar or, a, you know, a, um, a retreat or something like that, you know, there's also, a, there's an overarching thing that you have to decide, well, is this in alignment with me? Is it not? And this just was, it was like, oh yes, you need to, there's reconnect. There's a bunch of different ways we're going to do that and trust me and it's going to be great. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing that because I think you touched on a few things that are really important. I mean, one is 
you you clearly were ready. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the fact that you signed up for it, I always pay attention to there were, you know, there were people that said no, obviously, like <laughs> to to the course who didn't sign up. For some of them, for sure, maybe it wasn't the right time, but I did see what would happen sometimes where people would get in their head mm. and try and piece together is this they would kind of just like over intellectualize or analyze what they were signing up for or not signing up for and i knew that as soon as they began to do that i had lost them right not because oh, wow. it's you know you should just <laughs> make decisions like <laughs> impulsively it's not about that at all but it's about your intuition and your intellect which is again governed by your ego mind are in in opposition so as soon as your intuition is saying yes do this your ego is going to say oh no don't do that because (laughs) it threatens it so i knew that that would start to happen for people and i do trust that the people who i did trust and i do going forward that the people who are like right at that tipping point who are ready can understand enough where that intuition is coming in and mm. be able to feel the you cuz you i mean i'm sure you felt the fear around like what am i doing you said this like those are yeah. all the voices of doubt that your ego's like what are you doing here an idiot peter <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Quick, go ask somebody else because this isn't right. <laughs> right. But at, at you were ready because you were also able to hold on to what you were feeling or what you were mm. hearing in what I call like your inner voice or the quiet voice, which was your intuition saying, you know what, this is right. And often I find that you know that you're on the right path, actually, when that ego voice gets louder. So I know that I'm making the decision that is for my in, that is in line with my intuition when my ego starts to 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 like shout like what are you doing you're crazy because because it will never do that if you're just following your your like intellect and and you know your ego it won't it won't get louder right um, because it's not feeling threatened so I think it's amazing you know you were clearly ready and I think all of my homecoming participants can echo that feeling because they all went through that experience. No one was like, I mean, well, I will say one of our participants was like, I'm in, I'm doing this. Boom. A couple of them were, (laughs) but they were also, I mean, they were listening to their intuition. They didn't know exactly why, but they were like, I'm ready. Yeah. And the other thing I just want to say is that you also were the only man. That's Um, right male identifying person um, in homecoming. And I think that's really important to mention because it was something that I sat with when we had our conversation because at the time, I think you were, you were the second to last person to sign up. Um, Mm. We had one other um, female identifying person sign up after you, but at that point, all of the participants were women. Mm -hmm. And so I just knew that would change the dynamic and I really sat with that. And I think it's a testament to you because I intuitively felt that you were 
like it was a yes from me. So it was kind of cool because we both kind of intuitively like checked in. And I think having you be male, um, it was really important for the group actually um, on both sides, both for the women, the cis women who are in the, in the group and also for you. So it was just, I want to mention like that was also intuitive for me to, to sort of be like, all right, Peter, welcome. And I remember telling you, like, it's all women, you know? Yes. Yeah. You, you were, you were up front. Yeah. You were up front. This is a thing. And, but I love that because this program is not for any particular type of person. We all belong to nature because we are part of it. So my dream is that no matter who you are, how you identify, how you look, how you you know, any anyone, any living human, hopefully will feel welcomed into this experience because they are. I mean, by the very fact that the natural worlds, we are part, we are all part of it. So I just appreciate you kind of signing up for that because it was really nice to have like my first cohort, not only, you know, one gender. Um, yes. And that that meant a lot to me. No, I thank you too, because honestly, and I know we've talked about this before, but I, you, you had your sit with it. I had my sit with it. Um, and you know, for me, I, I didn't want to, this is the way my brain operates. I was thinking to myself, well, I don't want to intrude on what is intended to just be, you know, for women and women identifying people like I, you know, please, please say no to me if, if this is not, <laughs> if this is not a welcome thing. Um, but you didn't. And like you're saying that the experience itself it, it was not a gendered experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it was an experience of people wanting to reconnect with nature simply and purely. Um, and I think even like the different people that you introduced us to, either in the course or when we were actually there, you know, there were there were men involved there as well, um, men and women, you know, both sides. Uh, you know, there there are folks of all, you know. Uh, identifying every way. And, and so, and that was important too, I think, because it's, I know for me, at least it was, it was very important that, um, that I felt welcome and that you didn't feel like it was, uh, weird and that other, the other participants didn't feel like it was weird. No one felt it was weird. Everyone loved you. (laughs) That's that's awesome because I didn't think it felt weird and I'm hoping it wasn't in my mind. (laughs) No, it wasn't. Everyone, I mean, the group, became so close and it was such a special period of time. You know, again, I'd love for you to just talk about, you know, what happened during homecoming, what happened during the course for you. And I'm talking about the course because this was sort of that next layer for you of that reconnection. So, and I think many people you talked about understanding that connection intellectually, but wanting to have a felt and embodied experience of that connection. And, and I think you sharing what happened will be really powerful for others because this was also me too. I mean, many of us, we rely so much on our intellect. I know I was very much, um, I still work on this, like very much connected and like my identity is also very much entwined with being mm. intellectual and and 
in my mind and able to communicate in a certain way. And again, yeah, it, it's, we can't fully connect if we are only up here. So yeah, tell me what that experience was like for you. Off the bat, it was a full, full bodied experience, um, which just saying that the, the entire experience of it um, hit me on a physical level. So like physically going to a place where you know that you are about to set aside four or five days just to be with yourself and a bunch of other people who are going to be with themselves. That was, there was, there was, there was some fear even driving out. Um, not fear, maybe apprehension is a better word because it wasn't really fear. It was more like, this is new. This is, ex- this is exciting. This is, um, this is going to be a different kind of experience. And, and it really was, I did not, you know, I, I was worried that um, I was going to be bringing too much intellectual baggage in and that I'd be able to like, I'm, I'm very good at thinking my way out, uh, out of things. I can think myself out of a lot of situations and I was fully on guard. Like Peter, don't do this. Don't, don't mess this up with your brain. Just sort of, you know, feel this and experience this. But, you know, from the moment I, I pulled up and I think it was, uh, I think it was your partner, David, who was actually outside or he walked out and, you know, sort of beckoned me inside from that moment, like walking into the living room, just seeing everybody else and then understanding that we were all here for, you know, sort of the same reasons. It was a, it was like a physical settling, um, just sort of like an easing in, like, this is all right. This is, this is going to be the tribe for the next week. Every, um, that I want to say every, every one of the different things that we did on that retreat was, um, you know, physical in nature in one way or another, whether it was, you know, that physically making art or, or taking a hike or learning to meditate or, you know, what, whatever it is, um, or learning, you know, not learning to meditate, but getting different techniques. I say that because I'm sure a lot of people think, oh yes, I've tried meditation before. Well, it's like, you got to have, you know, with the group and with that particular kind of presence, I mean, there's only one way to do that and that's to do it and to be there. Another enormous thing for me was leaving my phone away. Like mm-hmm. I, I yeah, did we had a go phone back. Policy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great, it was a great phone policy. It was, it was like, it wasn't scary, but it was super suggested. It was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I remember the first night your, your tone about it was like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not going to tell you what to do and what not to do, but don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it, yeah. And I think I said, like, you made the investment, like, this is your time. So yes. like, you can show up or not show up. Like at this point, it's kind of like, (laughs) this is your path and this is your journey. But it's like, if you're really going to go all in, like (laughs) remove the phone, (laughs) surrender the phone. (laughs) Yeah. And and speaking as somebody with, uh, you know, like I have a spouse and a child and I wasn't the only one there with a child. Um, And I think that's, that might be another thing, like that the ego has a million ways of getting in your way. Like, what was emphasized on this was you, like you, like you said, this is your journey. So like, you know, what, what the right things are, you do those right things. And so for me, you know, at the end of the night, I'd give my wife a call and I'd FaceTime my daughter. And that was it. It was like one hit at the end of each day. And otherwise stayed up in my room. I think I maybe took it on one excursion because I wanted to take pictures of a view, but like, it was so, um, I did not expect how powerful that aspect of it was going to be uh, lumped in with all of these other things designed to just sort of put you in new relation to the natural world. That's really what that did for me. 
I, I was put into a very new relation with the natural world. And I, I'm speaking as a person who felt like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I go for hikes, I go for walks, I get the natural world. Like, I tried doing a garden once, it didn't work. I don't have green thumbs. <laughs> like, like, well, you also have like a, a nature TikTok. I mean, you're, yes. you're kind of like you, and you are a teacher in that sense. So, yes, you know, I also want to mention like appreciation for you once again that you this was something that you've also been exploring for yourself and yet you were really open to receiving whatever you were meant to receive on this path and I think that actually is where I saw you being like wise Mm. and because you know we talked about this um in the course itself like when we think we have all the answers, we lose so much. And how do we live the questions more? And how do we approach things with the beginner's mind? And the more that I've gone deeper into my spiritual journey, the less I realize I know. And that just constant returning to like the the not knowing, I think, is where the magic is. And so the fact that you approached everything with that without coming in and being like well I have a nature TikTok and (laughs) I've got you know thousands of followers and you know I know this stuff is a testament to you actually turning towards your growth and 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 your unfolding Thank you so much because honestly, I, I it was it was eye opening. It was um, it was, but you know, not in like a sensationalist kind of way. It was very because I know we use the word eye opening like there's some sort of big revelation, but it was more like a it was a quiet revelation, which was so ah so beautiful. There was no it wasn't about aha. It was more about like just just sort of ease into this. Here, you mm-hmm. know, what if you looked at the world this way? And, and, and so that was, um, it was, it was just, it was beautiful. And I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I absolutely did not want to bring any of my own preconceived stuff in just because that's not why I was there. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that, that is important. I mean, that was one of the things that the, we touched on in the course a lot was the idea of beginner's mind, beginner's mind. And, and actually there was a specific exercise we did during the course that I still do now that, that is just so, you know, it's so simple. <laughs> like it's, it's, it, it's so simple and it, it, it's in my, um, you know, my wheelhouse now. And I wouldn't have had that. I wouldn't have had that otherwise. So do you I want mean, to share thing, what it is? Yeah, it was the, um, there was a, why was not? The, <laughs> we can, I know, why not? Yeah. Let's just give, no, yeah. you share give it, it all away. away. <laughs> give it all away. But no, I mean, cause I think these practices I said, you know, some of them I've created, many of them have been done by many people, but it's also like the alchemy of like being in the experience with community. You know, there's so much that goes into it. So, but yeah. I think if that, that practice was important to you, let's share it. What sure. was it? I'm curious. Yeah, so <laughs> it was, it was that, uh, it was, uh, I think it was the, some journaling homework during one of the weeks of the course after the retreat and the, mm-hmm. those, those six weeks after 
where we had to go find something in our immediate surroundings, you know, take a couple of days, take 10, 15 minutes, just be with that one particular thing in your environment and just see it as it is. Like try, like, mm -hmm. like be curious about something in your immediate environment. Um, and then just, uh, you had a couple of prompts, but really the core of it was, you know, notice something, you know, we, we, we spent so much time walking through and past and under and over and, and, and all this other stuff. But so I looked at the, I remember I looked at the Ivy on my wall was what yes. I did. And I spent 20, I spent a bunch of time that week just watching the Ivy. Uh, and I mean, I, I make it sound like I have like hours to dispose. I, when I say a bunch of time, I mean like 10 minutes a day. Right. Um, but, but even in that 10 minutes, you know, I started to notice what does the end of the Ivy vine look like? When does it cling to the wall and when does it not? You know, what direction is it going Oh, look, this one looks like it has little buds. Oh, look, this one looks like it's almost, oh, those buds turn into the next shoot. How does it know when to cling to the wall and when to put up another leaf? Because those are two different things, seem to come from the same thing. No, I can't figure rhyme or reason. And it's that beautiful, like, I'm trying to sit here and intellectually understand a thing, but let's just look at it. Look how cool that thing is. It's but, and it's there, it's Ivy. This is, you know, I've lived in this house now for five years. There's Ivy all over the place. You say, oh yeah, it's nice Ivy. But then you go to look at it and I went to go look at it. And all of a sudden it's, um, it's like a tiny little world. That's a part of my bigger world that I didn't really give attention to. So that practice of just focus on one thing that you're going by. I did this this morning on, on the walk this morning. There's a part in this walk that I go on that's, there are tons of rhododendron uh, in the woods here where I go, um, like tons, more than I've ever seen anywhere before. And it's been very cold here lately here in Massachusetts. Yesterday morning, it was 15 degrees when I went my walk this morning. It was like 25. Amazing. Um, Can't wait. Going right? to the East Coast soon. Can't wait. <laughs> Bring no, I, some I'm coats. Excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, and the leaf, the rhododendron leaves, were all curled up in these really, really tight, like, they're, they haven't fallen. They're green. They're still on there. Um, some have fallen, but not all. And there are these very, the leaves themselves have curled into these tight little straws. And it was just, it was amazing. Like I, like I poked it a little bit, like they're, they're these rigid, you know, circling around uh, the stem itself. Uh, and that's just really cool. And it's like, I, I don't think I would have stopped to look at something. So like, I'm the king of, oh, look at that vista over there. Let's get up the ridge so that we can see for miles. But there are like leaves right in front of you. Like there, there's, and it's, it's not like it's better or worse, but there's, your universe is composed of so many little things. There's so much worth being curious about. And that exercise the where I picked the ivy, that just sort of, that's just sort of blew my mind. The microscopic sort of focus in on things. Um, which is very peaceful too, to like pick up a thing and look at it and be like, just look, like not even have the, the thought process. Like I have like a little acorn shell here that I was looking at the other day. Like, so there's so many cool things to look at. Anyway, that's. <laughs> I, I love that you mentioned that because I think we often feel with nature that we need novelty to feel joy and curiosity and wonder and that, that was really, that exercise was about taking something that you see all the time and that you, your, you know, your mind has dismissed as like, eh, it's just that, or it's just a leaf, like you said, and bringing that beginner's mind to it and that curiosity, cultivating that 
and realizing, wow, why does it do that? And why? And that's something that I do a lot. And it's brought me so much joy. Like I'll always be saying to my partner, David, I'm like, why does that, that leaf do that? Or like, why does this do that? And he's like, I don't know, Alyssa, but it's, you know, and, but it's fun. And it's like, you can look it up and, you know, understand why that happens. And it's, it's often the, the small, simple practices done consistently that create huge shifts. I mean, I think it's like what we put our attention to, you know, is, is where, I don't know, where consciousness goes. Yeah. I've, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm butchering whatever this is, but, but it's that idea of if we constant, if we consistently create that pattern, then the world kind of opens up to us. And I don't know about you, but like, I'm sure that brought you a lot of joy. Like, how cool is that? Like, I can go outside and have so much joy just by like staring at a leaf. That's incredible. What if yeah. everyone was able to do that? We'd have so much more joy and inner peace. Um, that's really what, that's just like a small example of what this reconnection can do for us. Definitely. And it's a really important part of the journey. I think one of the last things just I wanted to ask you is um, now that you have graduated, calling that, <laughs> I should have sent everyone cert- certificates, but <laughs> that's that's for next one, I've learned. And now that you've graduated, but we did have a ceremony, we, we definitely we did. did the whole thing. Yeah, there was closure. There was, there closure. was closure. There was closure. Yeah. <laughs> but now that you've graduated from homecoming, tell me about like what where are you at on your journey now? Or like what, you know, you, you mentioned this a bit about how it was really about getting out of the intellectual experience and into the more embodied and, and felt experience of nature. Tell me more about how that's, you know, continued or how that's shifted since homecoming ended, which was now we're recording this in December. Um, so depending upon when you're listening to this and when this, you may be listening to this in like the new year of 2022. So, but homecoming ended probably, it ended in at the beginning of November. So it's been yes. almost two months um, since it wow. ended. So yeah, which is wild too. So <laughs> tell me about that. So, okay. Wow. So much. Um, so first of all, um, it's just, um, I, I, I've, I've, I've just become more aware of my body. So I know we're talking a lot about nature, but a lot of homecoming was also focusing on your body and how, you're, how you feel um, within yourself and um, how you contend with, or contend is a, that's a, you know, that's a fight word. I don't like fights. You know, how, how you process or manage um, you know, emotions and, and, and thoughts and like, you know, it's these things that come and go, how does that feel? How is your embodied experience of just sort of being a person? That was, that was another big part of, of the retreat and then the, the course after. And I'm finding um, it's a lot easier to connect body and, and mind space or emotional headspace. Like it's, it's, I'm seeing that connection a lot easier on sort of the day to day, which um, honestly is very helpful to know and feel um, that that the experience I'm having as a person is is a whole experience. It's not locked away in the back of a brain somewhere. It's it, you know, it sits in your stomach or in your chest or in your shoulders, and you know, you can take that, shake it out, go for a walk, filter, you know, filter some cold air in. It'll it does does wonders. 
so my, you know, that there's a heightened awareness of that. Um, I'm definitely outside more and I was already outside as often as I could, but it's like, I'm, I'm getting more from it now. So it's sort of like an addiction, like, Oh, I have, I have 20 minutes. I'll go for a walk around the block. doesn't have to be in the woods somewhere. There are plenty of, you know, trees and squirrels and interesting grasses and blue sky or gray sky or rain or snow or whatever. Let's go, you know, I want to go sort of feel that for a second. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's been a lot, there's been a lot more of that. Um, I've started focusing. I'm still a person who lives in, in his head. You know, I'm still a person in, in, in like an intellectual way. And, you know, I like to sort of make sense of things. Um, so I've, I've started just sort of understanding the space that I occupy more. That's sort of where I've turned my, my brain to lately is, you know, what plants and animals are here and what's, um, what's happening to them, what's happening with, you know, the natural environment in the area that I live in. There's become this sort of curiosity. I've, I find myself a lot more curious now about, yeah, this physical space that I'm in. What kind of tree is that? Like what trees are those? Um, which already sort of started a little bit, but now understanding just a little bit more about that. Um, I know there are pieces of the course where we, we talked about, um, you know, the indigenous people's who, uh, you know, from whom these lands were taken that we now sit on. Um, and that's become a sort of new mental realm for me um, because my I just wasn't, I wasn't thinking about those things as much as I ought to have. And now I'm sort of in there thinking about, um, like there's a rock, there's a rock up a trail near from near where I live um, that is uh, called Wooney Upset because the uh it meant beautiful rock it was a rock mm. that was actually balancing and that i apparently like back in the day used to rock around split in half uh maybe a few hundred years ago or a hundred years ago or something like that um but it was like a gathering place so like things like that were like uh, my curiosity now is more for the i have a lot more curiosity for the physical land it's not about this not that I don't have this spiritual connection and experience of nature any, you know, like that I'm seeking out. It's almost like that experience has deepened now mm-hmm. that I am in communication with the actual freaking land. Like, yeah. To, you know? And I think something in your answer that I love is that you're saying, you know, when we talk about having a felt experience in nature, it doesn't mean that there's no room for the mind and our thoughts. I mean, There is room, you know, that's where like your curiosity lives. That's where you learn about things. That's where you can identify these plants and all of that. It's more of like, where's the marriage and where's the balance of the two? And Mm. so it sounds like you were kind of like imbalanced and skewed one way. And now it's kind of like your rebalance where now the two can weave together into like a beautiful tapestry of, of like your whole experience and I just that's really exciting and I'm I'm just excited to see where this takes you because you know in some ways we are both guides and teachers with different ways in different past right. experiences of that which I also love because it exemplifies what I talk about a lot in the course which is like there are so many shades of one color or one thing and it can look so many different ways. So, you know, I'm still exploring what it means for me to be a teacher 
and what that looks like, you know, I say quote unquote teacher, because <laughs> that can be mean so many things. Yeah. And I think for you, you're also really exploring because you were a traditional teacher um, in a school. And now you do other ways of teaching, both with your TikTok. And I think you're also exploring, you know, what that can look like for you in the future. And yeah, definitely. if you keep following that intuition, it will unfold exactly as it's meant to. You know, and I and and a lot of that, the trusting the intuition and and being able to sit and listen to to the self um, in context of family, community, world. You know, like it's there's so many relations. Being able to sit with that, I, I have not felt more flowing in the way that I think about things since homecoming. I mean, it, it just not like I'm sitting up on top of a mountain like ah I've achieved it, but like. <laughs> But like the things that happen, it's easier to roll with things yeah. and um, and 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 sort of explore what's possible. Um, and it's exciting to explore what's possible when it comes from your intuition, because your intuition is a fun place to be. Um, and I really owe I owe a ton of that to homecoming. I mean, if, if uh, just in terms of being able to being able to be OK with that, not even being able to identify, you know, what the right thing is, because that's that 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 starts to get into control. It's more, you know, how do you put yourself in the space to listen? Um, and then do you trust mm -hmm. it and yourself? And that that has been that has been such a gift. Thank you, Peter. I mean, I'm so happy to hear this. And it is the gift of a lifetime. I mean, when when you can continue to practice that or, you know, sort of repattern or remember that life does feel kind of exciting and like an adventure. And I mean, so much of what I've learned even in having this business is like, it's all kind of a big question mark. I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen. You know, I mean, I launched the course not really knowing what was going to happen. And it came from a really intuitive place. And it was actually like, probably, you know, if you look on paper, well, it didn't follow the path that like most people do, which is like free offering, then like small, small investment, then larger yep. investment, and then like the big investment. I just went from free offering to like a large investment. <laughs> so it was like not, you know, kind of what you're quote unquote supposed to do, but my intuition told me to do it. And so I followed it and it worked out. And maybe it wouldn't have, you know, worked out the way that I wanted it to. And that would have also been the thing that was meant to happen because it would mm -hmm. have pushed me into another space. And I think if you can just continue to work with that and return back to that inner wisdom and inner knowing and listen, like you said, I think we'll all be okay. I think that's, I mean, but it's, again, it's not easy. This is why you take yeah. the course to, to learn this. And this is why I, I offer the course because I get the medicine that I, I share the medicine that I also need. So it's a constant reminder for me. So I think that's like, I would love to, to leave that with people. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, it's really about connecting to that intuition, that inner knowing, because that, that self is is one that's like infinite and connected to everything and understands it is a part of nature and because it's not separate and all those things. So that's really where we can 
that's where we can really continue to like reorient ourselves and, um, but it's not easy. That's why, no, <laughs> that's why we no. need tools and like community yeah. and all these things. Um, it's but, the classic easier, easier said than done. Exactly. That's why homecoming was awesome. Cause it's like, Oh, let's do it's enough. You know, we can talk and think about it until again, until our faces turn blue. But. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so the last, so I usually do like these last five questions kind yeah. of vibe that are a rapid fire round I had this idea, this could totally crash and burn at this moment, but I was thinking instead of doing the last five questions, we could do, well, we could do five questions, but we could each ask each other a question, like yeah. and do a rapid fire. I got one right now. Okay, go for it. What, uh, uh, where's the most exciting place that you think our nature can go from here? <gasps> okay. Um... I would love to create a framework and um, many offerings so that no matter what level of investment you can make or where you're at in your journey, you have a way in. Um, So that would be super exciting to me to be able to offer many different types of things for many different types of individuals like wherever they're at on their journey um, whatever point they're at that would feel just like really cool and I'm working on it but it takes time Um, (laughs) so that's that's mine Um, what is one thing one practice that you do during the winter season that would help people who maybe feel a bit of like resistance to winter because of the cold and the darkness, just be something where people could connect with nature a bit more. Yeah. What, what's something that you, you really do that, that nourishes you during this season? Okay. So this is going to sound crazy, but <laughs> I have shared, I have shared this on my TikTok before actually. Um, and it started something that sort of came to me intuitively, I think last winter and, but I've been doing on my own, Again, intuitively, not thinking about like, oh, connection to things. It just feels good. Um, And this is sort of an acknowledgement of the season uh, along with an exercise in gratitude. So when the weather gets cold, and I love winter. Let me just preface this because I love winter. So if you're a person who doesn't love winter, I understand that this sounds crazy. And I like if you don't want to do this, that's understandable. I go outside first thing in the morning or last thing at night. Barefoot if I can. I've done this with snow on the ground got to be careful only for as you know only for a couple of seconds if there's no snow on the ground you'd be surprised how long you can be barefoot in the grass um even when it's 20 degrees you'd be surprised the earth is warmer than you think and uh you spend time only a couple of minutes you feel the cold let it feel cold to you this is what's important you 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 understand that the season that this is what the season is it's it's not your like we often escape and pull away but it's not about that Go and you be in it two minutes, five minutes, whatever you can take. I've done it in a t-shirt. Again, crazy person. When you get back inside, so what, So sorry, while you're out there, you're, you feel the wind, you feel the cold, and you recognize this is this season. This is this season. Mm-hmm. And then you go inside to all of the comforts that you have. Presumably, if you don't have those comforts, then you know that's, that's, that's a different conversation about our broken economy. But but this, but right. I mean, but you go back inside wherever inside is, 
it's warmer. It's probably warm, period. Um, you sit down. You find the heat source in the room. For me, it's like I've got um, radiators that run along the bottom of my walls. And uh, you just sort of spend a couple of seconds with that heating element. And you understand that this is the season of cold. You are grateful to have uh, a space to remove yourself from that. But it's an acknowledgement that this is the season and that this is what you're living in. This is what is real right now. And I found for me, when the days start getting colder, I do this not all the time, but maybe like once a week. And it is a nice reset of, well, yes, winter's here, but there's, you know, winter's here. It's cold outside. We now have the inside to look forward to the company of family and friends and wherever your hearth is, whatever your hearth is, right? You know, it might not be a fireplace. It might be an electric heater in the corner. I, I don't know, but it's giving you warmth and it's providing you space to be outside of that thing that is real, you know, this mm -hmm. time of year. So that's, that's, that's something that I would do. Love it. Yeah. Turning towards like that discomfort outside and, and within too, it's, it's such an important mm. practice. So, okay. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Um, can I go again? Are we doing yes. how, how many, how many back and forth are we doing? Doing back yeah. and forth. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so what was the, what was the, um, coolest unexpected thing you've seen outside? I'm going to say in the last week recently, but I, you know, let's keep it. Yeah. Recent. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I was on a picnic the other day and there was a giant hawk that flew about 10 feet from me, pretty low mm. to the ground, and Whoa. then into a tree. And immediately, like, all of the birds, like, were like, ah! And they, like, <laughs> it was just, like, it was incredible. And the hawk was so much bigger than all these, like, tiny little birds. Um, and it was just so unexpected because this park was, like, it wasn't, it's a pretty you know, it looks like a picnic area. It's not like in the woods or anything. So it was just mm. really wild to see and really special. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. It was great. Yeah. Um, okay, my turn. Um, what is something that you have, something in nature that you have developed a newfound appreciation for that you didn't previously feel appreciative of oh interesting my mind immediately goes to acorns actually because i've you know i've got these i've got some of these here i you know i i've traditionally i've historically um been the type of person who likes the big like i said the big grand things put me next to water so i can see the tree line along you know the other side or you know let me feel the you know the, the cold air coming from you know coming from the north give me that canadian air um but just the resilience of acorns is amazing. It's just amazing to me that you've got this abundance of little nuts that feed all of these little critters in, you know, in the forest. And as they feed on them, they discard some. And then the oak, you know, the oak manages to creep further and further because it's providing to these little creatures who are carrying it all over the place and then burying them. And then they forget them. And then it grows into a tree. Like, like all of this, over like a nut that we step over and we, you know, we crunch underfoot, give very, I know I gave very little thought to them. They're just little annoyances that you might like roll, slip on, you know, mm -hmm. and walk in the woods. 
uh, in the fall. But I've just come to really appreciate the acorn and especially like seeing them clustered um, because you'll see them collected in different areas and some oaks provide, you know, drop tons of them and some drop not a lot. It's like, it seems like mysterious to me. Like, why are there more from this tree than this tree? And how amazing is that, that, you know, this, this thing is providing for another animal that's providing for it. Yeah, we. I, I feel like we. I want to learn more too. I, I was just in Big Bear, which is in. It's a mountain town in California, and mm. I saw the coolest thing that I have never seen before. But it was a tree, and there were little holes in the bark, and there were acorns in those holes. Whoa! So I think a squirrel carried and i think it's like meant to be that way a squirrel carried acorns and put them and they fit perfectly in these little holes it was almost like little shelves for the acorns in the trunk of the tree it was the coolest thing i'd ever seen and i was like what is this um so i have to read more about that but yes acorns are incredible and i think we can eat them actually that's yeah i've been looking into that a little bit you gotta (laughs) boil them you gotta do a tiktok about that you can do tiktok about eating acorns okay let's do one last question we can both answer the same question um maybe let's do the one from we can do one from my five questions um which is um, an easy one to end on. So it's complete this sentence, nature brings me. Peace, joy, curiosity, uh, and a desire to find a path forward. Your turn. What does it bring me? It brings me, I agree, all of those things, and also a reminder that I belong. All right, Peter, thank you so much for chatting with me. This was really fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was great. It was so great to talk to you. (laughs) And I will leave your info in the show notes if anyone wants to follow Peter on TikTok. He's a nature TikToker, I'm calling you. I don't even know if that's a thing. but um, (laughs) And again, so much gratitude for you, Peter. And thank you for um, sharing about your journey and about homecoming. And um, yeah. You too. Thank you for having me. Thank you for all of the stuff that you do that brings more awareness to nature. It's honestly, it's a, it, the collection of things you're doing is beautiful. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Peter. Since we recorded our episode, Peter has had really exciting things happen with his career where all of a sudden a ton of job opportunities flowed in and he was navigating all of this new abundance, something he said has never happened before. What I love about this is that it demonstrates the magnetism that can happen when you turn towards yourself and nurture your authenticity. The world is an ever-increasingly challenging, uncertain, and scary place and I'm wishing everyone more inner peace and calm as you go into the rest of this week. Stay curious and I'll see you on the internet or on the trail. So long. You just listened to an episode of the Our Nature podcast. If you liked this podcast, 
please subscribe, rate, and review it. Thank you so much for listening. Stay curious, and I'll see you next week.